Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, President of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoyed the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Let me extend my greetings to all of you this morning and especially to the parents that are here, uh, the friends, families. Uh, thank you for being here to honor these graduates. Uh, thank you for standing behind them and in many cases making it possible for them to be here and to come to this very special day. They would acknowledge readily uh, apart from these folks behind you, this would not have happened. You needed their love, you need their prayers, you need their support, and uh, they, in a real sense, are graduating with you today. And I have a dual assignment this morning. One is to send a charge to these graduates, but also to provide a challenge for all of us who are here today, and that includes the family and the friends that have come. Uh, it is my prayer that uh, every one of us will leave this place differently than we came in uh, this morning. Many of you are aware that last week in Benghazi on Thursday, December the 5th, a young man named Ronnie Smith was gunned down on the streets there. He leaves behind a wife and a little boy. The evidence that is being accumulated is indicating almost beyond question uh, that it was a targeted hit. This was not random. Uh, this was planned, and indeed a particular terrorist group has already claimed responsibility for it on one level. He was one of us. And by that I mean he could have easily been sitting here with you all because he was one of us. Yes, he was a chemistry teacher over there, but he was also there to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He had been motivated to take his wife and baby boy to Libya uh, after hearing a message by John Piper. And in response to that, John Piper wrote an article last week entitled, When We Send a Person to His Death. In that article, he says a number of things, including, one, when something like this happens, we weep with those who weep. Secondly, we recognize that there's something worse than death. And he says in his article, the whole point of Ronnie's life is that there is something worse than death. So he was willing to risk his own life to rescue others from something far worse. And he knew that God was able to meet every need of his wife and his son, Philippians 4.19. And then he ended the article with these words, flood the world with replacements. Flood the world with replacements. Finally, I call thousands of you to take Ronnie's place. They will not kill us fast enough. Let the replacements flood the world. We do not seek death. We seek the everlasting joy of the world including our enemies. If they kill us while we love them, we are in good company. Jesus did not call us to ease or safety. 
He called us to love for the sake of His name everywhere among all peoples. For centuries, perhaps the most beloved and well-known verse in all the Bible was John 3.16. It is a verse that contains the heart of the Bible. It contains the essence of the gospel in just 25 simple words. Indeed, it is the story of the Bible in one verse. Here we find a divine love story, the greatest love story for God so loved the world. And let me say to all of you who are here this morning, that simple phrase, for God so loved the world, includes me and it includes you. There is no one here this morning that is not the object of God's love. He loves you and He proved it because He sent His only begotten Son. Because this verse is at the very heart of the Scriptures, it is a truth that we at Southeastern believe we must take to our neighbors. And it is also a good news gospel that we must take to the nations as well. And indeed, yesterday we prayed for all of you who would be here today because we recognize that there are some here today that to this point in time in your life you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This verse, which is so true, has never been true for you. But it is our prayer that by the end of this service that will change. And indeed, you will go out of here different than you came in. You will go out rejoicing because the truth of John 3.16 is now a reality in your life. What can we learn from this very simple verse? There are several things I would highlight for our graduates and for all of us this morning. First of all, the phrase, for God, reveals the greatest lover. The verse begins as it should with God. God does exist. Uh, he is there, and as Francis Schaeffer said, He is there and He is not silent. He is a talking, speaking God. And He speaks to you and to me this day, extending to us the good news of what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that God demonstrates His love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God tells us that He is indeed the greatest lover. For God so loved reveals the greatest passion. So loved. That word so is a little word, but it's a big word. It speaks of loving in a particular kind of way. He loves you and me in a very specific, definite, particular kind of a way. And because it is the infinite God who so loves, His love is indeed infinite. He loved the Bible makes it very clear that love is not an abstract idea. It's not a warm feeling or a sentimental emotion. Love is an action word. Love is a word that does things. Love makes choices. Love makes decisions. Love is an act of your will whereby you choose the best for another even if they do not deserve it. In other words, you seek another person's best interest even if it personally cost you. You see, that's what God did in the sending of His Son. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 tells us, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the satisfaction, the propitiation for our sins. And then in response, 1 John four nineteen teaches us we love Him because He first loved us. 
Indeed, he died the death that you and I should have died because he so loved. For God so loved the world. This reveals the greatest possibility. Here we see the the bigness and the heart of our God, the scope of his love. He loved the world. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. As Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9 teaches us, the love of our God extends to every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. Black, brown, red, white, yellow, all are the object of His saving love. And indeed, our God rejoices in the beauty and the diversity of the 16,819 people groups in our world. And at the same time, graduates, I believe He weeps for the 7,296 people groups that are still unreached. If you go over to our mission center, you'll see over there on the screen what is called the World Missions Clock. Uh, Last night I called it up on my computer at 647 and just looked at uh, what it was reading out. And one thing in particular stands out, uh, graduates, that I don't want you to forget. The last line, people not having an adequate opportunity to hear the gospel, the number... 4,770,000,000 It's 2013 We have all this technology We have all this money in the Western Church We have all of these resources And yet today 4.7 billion people Still do not have adequate access to the gospel That means among those numbers There will be people who will live They will die And they will go to hell And they never even one time heard the name of Jesus I have to believe that our God finds that unacceptable And I think if he finds it unacceptable, we must find it unacceptable as well. That's why a number of you are going to go to hard places. Like Ronnie Smith, you are going to go to dangerous places because you really do believe the truth of Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And there really is something in this life worth putting your life on the line for just as our God put his son on the line and sacrificed him on your and my behalf. Let me remind all of us again here this morning that Christ did indeed die for you. And if it happens to be that you die without Christ and you spend eternity in a place called hell, you will forever be haunted by the truth. Jesus died for me and I did nothing about it. Jesus died for me. And I did nothing about it. For God so loved the world that He gave. You know, love is a beautiful four-letter word. Sometimes it's best spelled G-I-V-E. God gave. It was not taken from Him. And God gave, and oh, what did He give? He gave His only begotten Son. In other words, God gave His one-of-a-kind Son. God gave His unique Son. He gave, it was not taken. He gave His Son because He could not give to you and me any greater gift. I pray this morning that every one of us when we leave here will be reminded again and again and again of the gospel truth that God is the only Father who ever brought a Son into the world for the specific purpose of dying. Dying a death that you should have died and paying a penalty that you and I should have paid. 
That's why Paul could write in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, speaking of our God, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? When God gave His Son, He gave His best, and He gave His best to die. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... That reveals the greatest privilege. That's a wonderful word in the context of John 3.16 for it indicates that the way of salvation is both open and available to all. All sinners are objects of God's love and the recipients of His invitation to be saved. That, by the way, is again why we go. We know that as we go bearing the precious seed of the gospel, we are taking it to people that God loves, that He cares for. They are the object of His concern. And if He cares about them, then we should care about them too. And if He was willing to go to the greatest lengths to save us from our sins, then so should we. I want to tell you one thing I love about the graduates that we have and the young men and women you've sent to us. They're not looking for a comfortable ministry. They're not looking for a plush job. Oh, they know that their families need to be taken care of, but I'm thankful that there's a generation here that's much more radical than my sorry baby boomer generation. They really do understand that stuff does not bring happiness and that there really is something worth giving your life for in this life that God gives you. And so because He came, we go. And we go to all sinners, all kinds of sinners, all degrees of sinners. No racial distinctions, no social exclusions, no national or geographical boundaries, no gender or relational exceptions. And we go knowing this morning a very, very vital truth. We go knowing that no one is so bad that they cannot be saved. But we also go knowing that no one is so good that they don't need to be saved. Either extreme will lead you to a place called hell. I don't care who you are this morning. I don't care what you've done. You say, you don't know. I don't know, but God does. And God would say to you today through me, His humble messenger, you are not so bad that you cannot be saved. My grace can cover any and every and all sin. But you're also not so good that you don't need to be saved. And I don't care how morally upright you are. I don't care how pharisaically righteous you think you are. You need to be saved just like every other man, woman, boy, and girl on the planet. And the good news is the Lord Jesus extends His arms to all and invites them to come. In John 6, 37, Jesus said, The one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says again, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible says, Whosoever, that includes me and that includes you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Belief is that vital link. Trust is that vital link that connects your life to the saving and rescuing love of God found in Jesus Christ. Do recall and do understand that God's love is sufficient to save the world, but is only efficient to those who believe in Him. Believe in who? His Son. His Son who believe 
in him. It was a gracious gift, but it was a costly gift. It was a wonderful gift, but it was a bloody gift. It was an amazing gift, but it was a painful and rugged gift. But it is a powerful gift because all who are in Him, their eternal destiny is changed forever. Paul again says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And therefore in Him you should not perish. The idea there is you should not be separated from God for all of eternity. I know it's not a popular idea today, but let me tell you something. Hell is real. Hell is real. You say, well, I don't believe that. It doesn't matter what you believe. Without any disrespect to anybody here today, we don't make the rules. God does. And God, His Word says that there is a place called hell that was initially reserved for the devil and his angels, but the Bible says those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who refuse to receive Christ, they will indeed experience an eternal punishing. It's not annihilation. Uh, Friend, there is something on the other side. There is something on the other side for all of us. And God sent his Son that you might not perish, but that you might have ever lasting life that's a concept that's often misunderstood many people think everlasting life means living forever and ever and ever and ever and it does contain that but actually in the bible everlasting life eternal life is more of a quality of life it's a god kind of life it's a jesus kind of life and the good news is you can have that life today right now Indeed, it is a life that you can never lose. That's one of the reasons it is called everlasting or eternal life. You say, how do I know that I cannot lose it? Hear the words of Jesus. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. So... I come to the end of my message before we pray and uh, we uh, dedicate these students and confer upon them their degree. Some of you came here today expecting only to rejoice and celebrate that one fact. But I want you to know that yesterday, as a body of brothers and sisters, we prayed for you. Indeed, we prayed specifically for those of you who would be here today, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, Friends who do not know Christ, who for whatever reason have never received the most precious, wonderful, the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive in all of life, and that is the gift of eternal life. And so in just a moment, I'm going to do something that Dr. Billy Graham has done throughout his lifetime as an evangelist around the world. I'm going to lead in what we call a sinner's prayer. And I'm going to invite you, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, to make that greatest of all decisions. And please understand something. This is a very serious moment. Uh, The gravity of what I'm about to do is weighty. Because, you see, if you leave today once again saying no to Jesus, and you live the rest of your life never trusting in Jesus, and you depart this life into the next and you stand before God and 
He tells you, depart from me, I never knew you. And he prepares to cast you into what the Bible calls the lake of fire. You will not be able to say to God, wait, time out, hold on. I never heard. I never heard. I I never heard the gospel. I never heard the good news about Jesus. I never was taught that he loved me so much that he lived the life I should have lived and didn't, and he paid the penalty I should have paid. I was never told that, and God will say, that's not true. That's not true. Because God will look you in the face and say, I arranged a divine appointment on December the 13th, 2013, at the winter graduation exercise at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And on that particular day, though he may not have done a really good job of it, my servant Danny Aiken made very plain and very clear to you the gospel, and you chose to say no. And so I am praying in the next few moments that for a number of you that are here, this will be the greatest and most wonderful day of your life. And this much I do know, Every one of these graduates would be more than happy to leave their diploma right up here on the stage and just walk on out without it if they could exchange for that your salvation. You see, this is just a piece of paper. We're talking about your soul. We're talking about your eternal destiny. And we've been talking for the last few moments about what really, really, really drives the students, the faculty and the staff of this school called Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment? I am going to lead in a prayer. You're more than welcome to verbalize this prayer out loud if you like, but I also know that it's more than adequate for it simply to be the expression of your mind and of your heart. Because it's not the words that are magical in any sense. It's not the words that are the crucial thing. It's the condition and attitude of your heart. But this much I do know. If indeed you would pray these words to our God, I can promise you a couple of things. Number one, He will hear you. Number two, He will answer you. And number three, He will save you because the Bible is clear. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So would you like to be saved today? Then just pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you proved your love by coming into this world, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross as a perfect and complete payment for my sin. I acknowledge I am a sinner. And I know I need to be saved. So Lord, I turn from my sin in repentance. And I put all of my faith and trust in you, Lord Jesus. Who you are and what you've done for me. And Lord, I believe your word. That if I will confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, I will be saved. So, Lord, thank you for bringing me here today to hear the gospel. Thank you for making the gospel possible. And, Lord, from this day forward, I live 
and someday probably will die trusting in the good news of Jesus for my salvation. And dear Lord, I know that anyone praying that prayer in faith, you've heard it and you have answered and you have saved. And I rejoice in that. Lord, many, many times in our graduation ceremonies, people have trusted Christ as their Savior. And it is my prayer that this day has also been one of those. And now, Lord, I pray that following this exercise in just a moment, that they will find a, a, a son, a daughter, uh, a brother, a sister, a friend, and they would say, you know, I didn't think it was going to happen. This is not why I came to graduation today. But when Dr. Aiken led in that prayer, I prayed it. And I now call Jesus my personal Lord and Savior. Lord, they should get ready for a big hug on the neck and maybe even a kiss because nothing would thrill us and nothing would thrill these graduates more than that today would be the day of salvation. Indeed, Lord, that's why we've come here. That's why they've been trained here. And that's why they will go from this place that they might also see that miracle of salvation occur again and again and again as people believe and trust in your gospel. Thank you, Lord, for its truth. And thank you that we have the joy of carrying it across America and around the world. And Lord, as John Piper challenged us, may we indeed be the replacements for people like Ronnie Smith. And may it be that the gates of hell will not prevail against your gospel because a mighty army, much of that army coming from Southeastern Seminary, is storming the gates and carrying the gospel where it needs to go. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We cover your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.